spirit of meekness. So if you want to understand meekness, you, you, it's something that you see in people and you go, oh, yes. Right, so let's have a definition that comes from the helps word studies. Biblical meekness is not weakness. And by the way, being a weak person is not necessarily a bad thing. Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control, demonstrating power without undue harshness. Because you see, you don't really find out what a meek person is like until someone gets power. And then you know what's inside them. Okay, let's move on. Thank you. So let's ask this question. What are meek people like? Number one, they are humble and gentle. And in order to define that clearly, I need to help you with the words of Jesus on the next screen there, please. Jesus said, back, 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 back. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for not me, but Jesus, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I can guarantee, I've, I've experienced it myself, I've seen it time and time in other people. The burden I carry is heavy. It's too much for me. But Jesus invites me to hand that burden over to him. And let him worry about it. Because his shoulders are strong enough to take it. And he does want you to have a burden, but it's his burden. His burden is saving people around the world. That's a light burden. You're capable of carrying a portion of that burden, which he has. And it will give you rest for your souls. The problems won't necessarily go away. I can't promise you this morning that if you follow Jesus, all your problems will disappear. That would be a great deal, wouldn't it, sweetheart? Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. My auntie died two weeks ago. I can't make her come back. But when you work your way through the problems with Jesus in charge, he has a way of sorting things out so that they come from a bad place into a better place. Hallelujah. I like living like that. It's really rather helpful. And give me the burden any time going to the nations and sharing the good news about the love of Jesus. Okay, number two. If we can have the next screen, please. What are meek people like? They identify with ordinary people. In other words, they are incarnational. If we can have the next slide, please. So this comes from Philippians chapter 2 have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, in other words, Jesus became like us. Did you know that? Jesus became like you. And that's the way he did life. But, you know, when he became human, he could have been a very different kind of human, living a very different kind of life to what you or I might live. So I just want to put a few things up for you. If we can have the next slide, please. Jesus, the ordinary man. This is what I call it. Jesus, the ordinary man. He should have been born in a palace. Instead, he was born in a stable. He should have been the crown prince. Instead, he was an unknown carpenter. He should have grown up in Jerusalem. Instead, he grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth, where the heck is that? Even after being filled with the Holy Spirit... Jesus remained a man of the people as he had always been. Now, I just want to take a bit of time to help you understand this because Jesus was the Messiah and it was right that he was hidden for a period of time. But once the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in power, there was no hiding him from Israel any longer. He was going to be a very public man. That was his calling. And what I've seen, sadly, so often in men and women on whom the Holy Spirit falls in a very public and a very powerful way is that the temptations of power trap them and they start to change. And they start to make compromises with the way of power and become different to what they were before. So let's look at the next slide and see what Jesus was like in this respect. He rejected the temptations of power. His disciples included men and women, because there were men and women followers going around in Israel with them. Yet there was no sexual scandal. I mean, that's remarkable in itself. When money came into his ministry, he gave the surplus away. He opposed the Jewish religious leaders for using religion to oppress the people. When he was asked to join the guerrilla war against Rome, he said no. Jesus remained an ordinary man of the people, an ordinary man like you and me, even when the power of the Holy Spirit was upon him. And that's why he could compassionately reach out to save people and heal people. Because he identified with them. He felt like he was one of them. That's what incarnational living is. It's coming down to the level of the people. And living at the level of the people, not at the level of the power brokers. That's what Jesus did. And he died as a man of the people. He died for all the people. 
That's you and me, the ordinary people, not the power broker, not like Phil. No, 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 I'm just not being serious. Okay. I had an example of this when I was um, ministering in East Africa many years ago. I was soon told that in Africa, they like the big man. You know, the big man is, he's a big man, and he's the tribal chief, and he's powerful, and he's a little bit fearsome. But everybody will follow him as long as he gives everybody a few goodies. And they just looked at me and, oh, there's the big man. And there are some things about me that I can't help. (laughs) You know, I am a big guy. I couldn't help being a big man. But I made a decision very early on that I was not going to do ministry in Africa according to the agenda, the cultural agenda of being the big man. Because I felt that it wasn't incarnational. I felt that it wasn't in the spirit of Jesus who reached out to the ordinary people. And so... I asked not to stay in the, in the expensive hotels and drive the flash cars. I asked to stay in the cheapest guest houses that we could find that would be consistent with my security. My ministry coordinator, a young man named Eric, who's a lovely, lovely Christian guy, he got very distressed by this. He said to me, oh, pastor, we want to honor you. We want to honor you by putting you in that nice, expensive hotel. What he really meant was, if you stay in the nice, expensive hotel, we get honor in our own culture by associating with someone who's so honorable and honored as to be in a rich place. And maybe if we get really lucky, we'll get to stay in the rich and expensive hotel too. And I rejected all of that. And that, you know, because in Africa, I am called a Mzungu, a white man. They don't have a term for rich Mzungu because every Mzungu is rich. So when I stayed in a cheap guest house, it made me look like not a real Mzungu because Mzungus don't do that. But you do if you're being incarnational and you're wanting to reach as far as you can into the ordinary world. Now, I couldn't take away that I'm white. I'm not just white, I'm pale. Um, I couldn't take away that I really am wealthy compared to them. I couldn't change any of that. But you see, I could shorten the distance between myself and the people that God had called me to reach. And that's what any of us can do. Find ways to shorten the distance between ourselves, the people we want to reach, spirit of meekness. And Eric got used to it in the end. And instead of being ashamed, because, you know, because if I stayed in a cheap guest house, bishops wouldn't come and see me because they would think that, that I wasn't rich and wealthy and important enough, Why didn't mind if bishops didn't want to come and see me because I I wasn't rich and important enough? That was okay. God wasn't calling me to reach them anyway. But if people could overlook what they saw and could see with their spiritual eyes that God was doing something through our ministry together because 
Another thing, Phil, was that white guys did all the ministry. They did all the teaching. They did all the preaching. They never let Africans share it. Well, I rejected that too. And I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to share the ministry. Eric and I will do it together, and we will raise up Africans who are capable of taking this ministry without me being there. Spirit of meekness. We're seeding good things into the situation. You know, I, I don't find it easy to be meek. I'm still a big guy, and, you know, I get into all sorts of trouble. I can't. It's a real problem to be big. <laughs> it's a real nuisance. You've got a you nice, shorter man. Just perfect. <laughs> it is. It really is, you know. Because I'm a big man and I get in the way and I've got a big voice and I you know, stumble over things and get into trouble and, oh, you know, God uses all of us. Amen. Big men, small men, tall ladies, short ladies, God uses all of us. Number three, they do things God's way. Because you see, reaching out in Africa was me trying as best as I understood it, to do God, to do it God's way. To do it the way the Holy Spirit was showing me that Jesus had done it when he was here. Spirit of meekness. Number four. They carry their own cross and follow Jesus. Now there was a cross that only Jesus could carry. That was his cross. The one that included dying for your sins and for mine to set us free. Because only him dying on our behalf could set us free from the power of sin and death and everything that goes along with that. If you want to be truly free, there isn't any other way. There's nothing about you that is good enough for an almighty God. But that doesn't matter. Because Jesus carried his own cross and gave his life for your sins and my sins. And the conditions for all of us to be free have already been fulfilled 2,000 years ago. All we have to do is take them and say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And you also will be set free from all the sins and all the stains. That's what Jesus did when he carried his own cross. But there are some crosses that Jesus could not carry because they're meant for you to carry. Well, if Jesus did all that for me, what cross could there be for me to carry? Because there are certain things that Jesus could not do. And they had to do with reaching people. Jesus was one man in one place, at one time. He couldn't reach everybody all over the world forever. He needed friends for that. He needed people like you and me. Whether it's in Christchurch, or in some other place around Christchurch, or there's people in Australia who need reaching. There's people in the North Island who re need reaching. And there's a whole world full of people very different to ourselves. Stop laughing, Phil. What's all that about? 
<laughs> There's people all around the world who are waiting for the message that you carry. You will pay a price to follow Jesus and reach them. It will be hard for you at times. It will hurt you. You will be carrying a cross. But when you follow Jesus, you'll carry that cross in the right attitude. And then the blessing of meekness can overflow into people wherever God sends you. Number five. Oh, I've missed the scripture. Sorry. Jesus called the crowd to him and, uh, along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. As if you're walking to your own execution, but actually you're doing it in life day by day. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for Jesus and for the gospel will save it. Wherever God places you, he's calling you to lose your life for Jesus and for the gospel. Because you'll save it and you'll save others when you do that. Number five, meek people wait for God to move. And I want to finish with um, a story. It's actually related to how I got this shirt. Um, I went a few years ago into Congo, the country of Democratic Republic of Congo, to do a, um, a seminar there and just to have a look around to see what it was like. It was the city of Bukavu, 870,000 people. I asked to go to the humblest hotel that was consistent with my security, because Congo is a pretty dangerous place. And so Eric found for me the humblest hotel, and it was pretty humble by the standards of what he could have found. I didn't know what was going to happen, but the first night I was there, I was visited by the head bishop of all the Pentecostal churches in Bukavu, who was a very nice man, Bishop Jerome. And I greeted him warmly. But, you know, we're Kiwis. That's what we do for any guest, isn't it? That's just being a Kiwi. I couldn't even say that that was being a gospel person because that's just what we do, isn't it, Phil? He came to the seminar. He never stood up once and tried to assert his position as the head Pentecostal pastor of all the Pentecostal churches in Bukavu. He just sat there as an ordinary member of the, uh, of the listeners and filled in all the notes and, and, you know, finished his manual. Sat there over two mornings. I was amazed. And then he invited me to his church. So I preached in his church, which was a church of about 600 on the Sunday morning. He also invited me to go to the local radio station, a Christian radio station, which it turned out was run by his sister and was 300 meters walk from the hotel that we were staying at. Within three days of arriving in Congo, the words that God had given me were being broadcast to the whole huge nation. 
wait for God to move. If you humble yourself, you just don't know what God can do with you. And, you know, I thought the message was okay. I, I did the best I could. I've never spoken on radio before, but my colleagues were very excited. So, okay, we must have done okay. But it's just amazing that when you humble yourself and walk meekly and incarnationally among people in this world, it is amazing the doors that God can open for you that only God can open. Now, you may not be called to do the ministry that God has given me, but God's given you your work to do for Jesus, and he wants to open doors for you wherever he's placed you, whatever he's called you to do. In the same way, walk in the spirit of Jesus, and God will open doors for you also. God bless you. There you go, in the spirit of meekness, humble and gentle, identify with ordinary people, do things God's way, carry your cross and follow Jesus, and wait for God to move. Awesome. Thanks, Roscoe. Amazing.